just for the next few minutes, I want to talk about, um, we have had a theme, as you know, over the past few years, um, and the theme has been Statesville will be synonymous with the glory. Um, it's a theme that was birthed out of a prophetic time when we were at the Civic Center. Many of you were there, some of you were not, <clears throat> and I won't belabor that point, but um, we were down there for three weeks, and, and the series that I preached down there was about the glory. Uh, and one Sunday, the Lord spoke to me and said, go out to that, uh, while, during service, said, go out to Hecate, the three-headed witch out there, and point your finger to her and say the time of, uh, of the kingdom of darkness ruling over Statesville is over, and that the kingdom of light and the father of lights and his children are going to take over, essentially. And, uh, and from that prophetic declaration came out the words from my mouth, Statesville will be synonymous with the glory. And I've said before, I've shared it a few times, if I were to say to many of you, Azusa Street, many of you would know immediately, oh, that is the move of God, the outpouring of the Spirit that happened in the early 1900s. And the thing that marked what was so special about it was not just the outpouring of the Spirit, but it was the fact that in a time when this was unheard of, black people and white people and Hispanic people, it was multicultural. Um, women were allowed to worship and speak. I mean, it was, it was, it, what it was was it was a microcosm of what the kingdom looks like. And the kingdom is not white. <laughs> and the kingdom is not black and the kingdom is not yellow the kingdom just is and in the kingdom is everybody from every nation and every tribe and every tongue and I can tell you right here in Statesville that's not necessarily welcomed even in 2019 in fact there have been people that have left churches in the last 20 years even this church uh, for, for stupid reasons because of racism or the otherwise and as far as I'm concerned if that's the way you feel you can grow up or you can just go you know it doesn't matter to me because we will be a microcosm of the kingdom everyone is welcome here everyone's going to feel a part here as much as we possibly can and have a place here it doesn't matter the color of your skin or what where you come from or how old or how young you are we're all some body in the body and that's what was so special about that move is in a time and you're talking 115 years ago when this thing happened 14 or 110 years ago when this move of God uh, was happening and it was it was just completely unheard of and then uh, later on uh, Smith Wigglesworth came out and said that um, there was going to be a move of the spirit um, and there'd be a move of the Spirit seen with miracles and signs and wonders following. And he said that would be followed up with another move of the re release of God's Word. But then there would be a third movement when there would be a marriage of the two and the glory of God would settle in and overtake the earth. And in that moment, the, the prophecy would be fulfilled that the kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of His Christ. You may or may not know, but you are living in that moment right now. 72 years ago now, I believe it was, or it might be 71. I think it's 72 years ago when that was spoken, and now you are living in that. It, it might, it's just, it's, it's in its infancy, but I can tell you, you are living in the moment when there's the marriage of the two. Not a focus on either one. It's not a focus on one or the other. The focus is Jesus. When Jesus appeared on the Mount of Transfiguration, there appeared with him Moses, which represented the law or the word, and Elijah, which represented the prophets or the spirit. And Peter was just like most church people, oh my goodness, let's build a temple for this one and a temple for this one and a temple for this one until ultimately the cloud, the cloud of glory that we talked about, the glory cloud, overshadowed Moses and Elijah and there was Jesus found only. And here's what the Father's voice said out of heaven, this is my beloved son, hear him. 
What he's saying was everything that, that the law and the prophets had to say, everything that was supposed to have been said by the word and by the spirit, it's wrapped up in this one man, this new man, Jesus the Christ, who was literally metamorphosed in front of them, transformed. The word is metamorphosis. He had a metamorphosis. His body, his physical appearance changed on that mountain. He was not the same from that day. And what's happening is you've walked into a movement in the spirit now. It's in its infancy. If you look around, you see 100 people. There should be thousands of people, and they're coming. But, but where, the, where the, the miraculous and the move of the spirit and the preaching, the, 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 the declaration, the clear declaration of the clear word of God are being married now. We don't celebrate one or the other. We celebrate him, and from him flows all things. So we, I just, I guess I'm more or less prophetically declaring some things right now, and then I want to explain a few things, and then, you know, we'll see what God wants to do. But that's where we are right now. We're, we're, we're living in it. I want you to, believe it or not, this is as good as it gets. As Sidney Smith used to say, until God works on your believer button, this, look around, this is it. You're looking at it. Well, what's it going to look like? Look at the person beside you. That's what it looks like. What does Stacefield being synonymous with the glory look like? It looks like sons and daughters taking individual responsibility as ambassadors of the kingdom and taking that light every, the Lord, I was, was, as I was waking up this morning, I had a vision, and the vision was um, of tons and tons and tons and tons of dynamite. And I was like, whoa, that's cool. And the Father spoke to me and said, it's no good until there's a fire that comes. And I'm telling you that we've been stockpiling dynamite and stockpiling these the, the explosions, dunamis of power. But it's no good until the fire comes. But as of this day, I'm telling you the fire is coming. It's on its way. And when it happens, there'll be such an explosion. It's going to happen all over the city. It's going to happen all over the nations. It's just going to completely and utterly explode when the fire comes. If you were to walk up on a big stockpile of, of, of dynamite, and you didn't know what it was, it probably would not be impressive, but let a one spark of a flame come and see what happens. This is what states will be in synonymous with the glory looks like. I asked our Aftershock student ministry about three or four weeks ago, I said, what does it look like for you to take your individual responsibility to make sure that this happens? What does that look like for you? you know, and each one of them said, well, I can, I can go into my school. You know, Not trying to be something I'm not, but allowing the life of Christ to be lived through me as an example. To be a light. I can go into my workplace. I can lo love those that seem to be unlovable. Now, that's a hard one. I can essentially do what Jesus preached in his Sermon on the Mount. Love your enemies. That's, a, that's one right there that challenges the church. Maybe the states will be in synonymous with the glory of God hasn't happened yet because we don't love our friends well. We certainly don't love our enemies. Now, that's a hard one. Jesus says it like this. and Love your enemies? Your enemies, love your do good to them that despitefully use and abuse you. How many people can throw up your hand and say, I've had some enemies. I've had a couple of people that have despitefully used me. They've used me. Used me. I was talking to Lynn, and he mentioned a couple of people whose names I won't mention, and I said, are you guys still in fellowship? He said, we, well, we were, but I was just a stair step for them to get to the next big name, and now they don't talk to me. Despitefully using people. You know what Jesus had to do with those people? Not what normally, not what Josh Bunt would do. Well, fine, if that's the way you are, go on. You do you. No, no, no. love them. What? I mean, that's radical transformation. Love them anyways. But they talked about me. Love them anyways. But they lied about me. Love them anyways. How do you love them anyways? You cannot be influenced by the way that they don't show love to you. 
It, it, if, if you love well, then nothing they do can change your opinion of them. You will always see them as my brother, as his child, or my sister, as his daughter. Period. That's how you love well. And really, there is a little bit of a secret, a little bit of, I don't hate to use the word trick, but there's a little bit of a secret of learning how to love well is understanding you may not know a person's why. Why are they treating you that way? Why are they abusing you or abusing themselves or abusing their family or doing whatever it is that they're doing? And if you don't know their why, why would you sit in judgment seat? Just be loved to them. Amen. Read some. But just what, is, what of this glory? I, I did ask my kids, my children recently, what it meant to them. And I thought it'd be good to do, to do the same today. What is the glory of God? Is it simply an atmosphere where people can be healed and restored? That's what a lot of us think it is. Is it the power of God to change lives for the better? I mean, Jesus did say, I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. We know he wants good things for us, but what is the glory? The glory. The glory. If Statesville's going to be synonymous with the glory, it probably would behoove us to know what glory even is. Webster defines glory this way. Glory is a noun. Praise, honor, or distinction extended by common consent. Renown. Worshipful praise, honor, and thanksgiving. Glory to God. Something that secures praise or renown the glory of a brilliant career is an example. A distinguished quality or asset, as in the, the glory of the, of the city is its cathedral. Great beauty and splendor, magnificence, something marked by beauty or resplendence. The splendor and beatific happiness of heaven, a state of great gratification. I'm not trying to give you a... Uh, the height of prosperity, a ring or spot of light. A halo appearing around the shadow of an object. One way to describe glory is the way that we see beauty. The way that we see beauty. Now, you may or may not be able to perfectly describe beauty, but when beauty appears, everyone that sees it knows it. Does that make sense? When a beautiful woman walks into the room, like for me, when Elizabeth walks into the room, it should be probably for, you know, when a beautiful woman walks into a room, you can't help but take notice. Or, or if, you're, if you're at the ocean, if you, have, if you have the fortune of being at the, at the beach and see the sunrise over the waters, it's beauty, it's beautiful, and you don't have to describe it. You just experience it. Yeah. And, and everybody that sees it might see it a different way, but everyone understands, whoa, this is majestic, this is beautiful. That's the way glory is. You might not necessarily be able to say it looks just like this or describe it in terms of adjectives, but you know when the glory comes, oh, this is the glory. In Exodus 33, 9, Moses is told that no human being can see the glory, which in, in the Hebrew is kavod, kabod, you know that, of God and survive. And the Lord said to Moses, this very thing that you've spoken, I will do. Let me read for you. Exodus 33, 19. This very thing that you have spoken, I will do, for you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. And Moses said, please show me your glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. I love that even in the old covenant when Moses asked to see glory, immediately Father begins talking about his goodness and his mercy. Because his goodness and mercy are going to last forever. 
So a big part of the glory of God is the goodness of God, and it's the, uh, it's the, it's the goodness of God, and it's the mercy of God. That's good, that's good news. That's good. That means when states will become synonymous with the glory for that to happen, there's going to have to be a declaration that God is good. Now, that sounds elementary, but I can tell you in states of North Carolina, in at least 50% of the churches this morning, people are not hearing God is good. They're hearing God's ticked off, and if you don't change real soon, you're going to bust hell wide open. They're scaring the living tar out of people. And I'm not saying something that I've heard. I'm saying something that I've been there. I know these people, and God bless them, and God love them, and I'm hoping they come to the truth. And we're all still growing, including yours truly. But look, until there's an overwhelming understanding that at all times God is good, we can forget about the mandate of states will be synonymous with the glory. So for that to happen, the prerequisite is someone or some people or a community of people are going to have to declare with their words and with their lives, God is good. He's always good and his mercy endures forever when you look up the word forever in the Bible do you know what it means until the end of the age forever yeah just like if you look up the word all in the Bible do you know what all means you're not going to believe it you know what all means in the Greek all profound right for the glory of God to come someone has got to say no 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 he's not like that he's good He's always good. He's not like what you've been told. It doesn't matter how many years you heard it that way. The truth of it is he is and always has been and always will be good. And, oh, and also his mercy endures forever. I hope I'm not boring you. But he said, you cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. Thank God. When you see him as he is, old Adam dies and new Adam is, it becomes alive. Amen. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me where you can stand on the rock. And while my glory passes, I will put you in a cleft of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take away my hand, and you shall see my backside, but my face you will not see. Why did he not see it? Because Moses was the mediator of an old covenant, and the glory is found in the face of Jesus Christ, the mediator of the new covenant. The prophet Ezekiel, in Ezekiel 1, 27 and 28, saw a vision, and this is a part, and upward from what he... What had, a, had the appearance of his waist, I saw as it were a gleaming metal, like the appearance of fire enclosed all around. And downward from what had the appearance of his waist, I saw as it were the appearance of fire, and there was brightness around him, like the appearance of the bow that is in the cloud on the day of rain, so was the appearance of the brightness all around. Such was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And when I saw it, I fell on my face, and I heard the voice of one speaking. In the New Testament, the corresponding word for kabod is doxa, and it means it could also be translated weight or brightness, Luke 2, 8 through 10. In the countryside, close by, there were shepherds out in the fields keeping guard over their sheep during the watches of the night. And an angel of the Lord stood over them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were terrified. But the angel said, a part of the glory is, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. No fear. So in the glory of God, there's the goodness of God. With the glory of God is the mercy of God. And in the glory of God, there's the mandate to fear not. Go read John. 
Go read the epistles of John when he said, perfect love casts out all fear because fear has to do with punishment. And if you're always afraid that God's gonna punish me, you're not mature in love. But the moment that you become mature in love, that love will cast away all fear because you know whether I'm on today or off today, doing good today, doing bad today, God loves me and there's not one thing, not depth, nor height, nor demons, nor angels, nor things seen, nor things not seen, nor things that have been, nor things coming that can separate me from the love of God that I've received through the life of Jesus Christ. Period. Anybody that puts a butt after that, tell them, no, 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 take your butt with you because it ends right there. <laughs> My God, it amazes me. You preach about the goodness of God and there's always a butt attached. And the people that, <laughs> I'm going to be nice. The people with a butt attached just need help. <laughs> See? But the Lord said, the angel said, don't be afraid. Look, I bring you good tidings. You mean a part of the glory is good tidings? Absolutely. With the appearance of the glory comes good news. It's good news. It's good news. I sat right out there in that yard Friday and had a man of God that I've known and respected for years and years and years. He said, let me tell you something. What people need to hear is that they're loved. They want to hear the good news of the gospel, that God loves them. It's not about standards or right or trying to be righteous or law keeping. It's about are they loved and are they loved well because you can love people into the kingdom. I just sit there and listen. I'm like, yeah. Hey, I said amen like 15 times. Come on. Amen, you know. You know. He said, continue doing what you're doing. You're in seed form now, but the explosion's coming. I said, I know it. I know it. I believe it. I've seen it. You're, 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 you're confirming things that have already been said. In the glory of God, there's good news of great joy, which shall be shared by all people. I love it. So the glory of God is good news. It brings great joy, and it's for or to be shared by everybody. Everyone is included. Well, what about that one? Yes, even that one. The only ones that are not included are the ones that choose to disclude themselves. And most of the ones that disclude themselves are religious hypocrites that think that they're going to get something by their own righteousness which the Bible calls filthy rags. You never get anywhere with God by your own righteousness, but by surrendering and receiving in yourself his righteousness. Man, I feel like I'm boring you today. I hope I'm not. I'm not trying to. John eleven thirty two. 32, then when Mary was come where Jesus, let me grab some water real quick. Is that okay? I sang last night, man. When Mary was come where Jesus was, and this is when Lazarus has died, his friend, in whose house he's eaten many times, Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. And saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. How many times do we do that to the Lord, just as a side note? Lord, if you had done this, then this catastrophe would not have happened. And having no clue that the glory of God is getting ready to be manifested in a way that you did not even know possible. And Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping, which came with her. He groaned in the spirit. Now, you may not believe this, but if you look up Jesus groaning in the spirit, the word groan literally means snorting like an angry horse. 
That's, that is exactly what it means. Jesus was not weeping. I love these people that try to make Jesus so human that he's not divine anymore like he was crying because Lazarus was dead. No, he wasn't. It's sweet and it's cute on your Insta story, but for God's sake, stop spreading lies. No, that's not what he wept about. It's not what he was groaning about. He was groaning within himself because he said, and he's going to say it later, have I not told you I am the resurrection. I didn't come to have one. I didn't come to give one. You're looking at the res. I am the resurrection. I am the life. And he groaned within himself because nobody had a clue who he was. They spent all this time with him and their morning cried, Jesus, you could have fixed it. He said, I am the fixer. I am the resurrection. You're looking at what he needs. And Jesus wept, then said the Jews, behold how he loved him. And some of them said, could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind had caused even this man that he should not have died? Jesus therefore again groaning in himself comes to the grave. It was a cave and a stone lay upon it. And Jesus said, take away the stone, Martha, the sister of him that was dead, said unto him, Lord, by this time he stinks, for he had been dead four days. And Jesus said unto her, did I not say unto you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? So also a part of the glory of God is the resurrection from the dead. And I don't just mean spiritual resurrection. I don't just mean resurrection from dead situations. I'm literally talking about corpses being raised from the dead. That stuff is going to happen in the glory of God. And they took away the stone from the place where the, blind, where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me, and I knew that you always hear me. But because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that you have sent me. And when he said this, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. I love the old preacher that used to say, he had to say Lazarus, come forth, because if he simply would have said, come forth, every dead body that ever was would have come from the grave. So he had to specify, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. And Jesus said unto them, loose him and let him go. So I highlighted over these past seven or eight scriptures that I read to you things that are included or should be included or either, 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 either as prerequisites, prerequisites or as a manifestation of the glory of God. Here are some of them. You want to hear some? So the glory of God looks like fire. It looks like a new sound. It looks like brightness. It looks like good news. It looks like great joy that's for all people. It looks like dead being raised. It looks like a heavenly host. Come on, somebody. Are you ready for the glory? I'm going to read them again. It looks like fire. It sounds like a new sound. It looks like brightness. It sounds like good news. It's great joy for all people. It looks like dead being raised. And ultimately, it will be and looks like a heavenly host. That's what the glory looks like. You want Statesville to be synonymous with the glory? Then Statesville will be synonymous with the fire of God, with the sound of God's people, with the brightness of his coming, with the good news that's for all people in all generations. It'll look like the dead being raised. It'll look like a heavenly host. Whoa. You're kidding me. How does it happen? You tell me how it happens. 
An angel appeared to a bunch of shepherds and simply started talking about Jesus. And immediately the Bible says there was with the angel a heavenly host of God praising God and saying glory to God in the highest because you can't mention that name. You can't mention the incarnation. You can't mention the living son of God without there being a heavenly host. Look around. You might not see it, but there's a heavenly host in this place today. Praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace and goodwill toward men. Goodwill toward what? Goodwill toward men. This is not a preacher that said this. This is not a doctrine. This was an angelic heavenly host saying goodwill toward men. God has good, a goodwill towards you, good plans for you. Did you not read Jeremiah 20? I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, the plans to prosper you and give you a future. This is better news than you're responding. I'm, I'm excited about watching some dead things rise. I'm excited, about, I'm excited about the kingdom of light overwhelming the kingdom of darkness because I live in this city. I'm excited about black and white and yellow and green and purple, whatever color people come. I'm excited about men and women and young children and old people coming together and it being one people and one bread and one body and one kingdom. And if that doesn't excite you, then you need to work on your believer button because that's what the kingdom looks like. The beauty the splendor of the coming kingdom, which is now. We've experienced the seed of it, but God's ready to see the forest. He's literally ready now because that's where God lives. Remember my message, God's beautiful now? He lives in now, and we also live in now. But we've been preached for so long and duped into believing that some glad morning this happens. It's funny to me that people that call themselves Pentecostals or even in the kingdom circle you know, we'll take shots at our brothers and sisters that I love dearly, the Baptists that say, some glad morning. And yet what we preach is that what God's going to do, it's going to happen someday. We preach the same thing. We just say it's going to happen a little sooner than in eternity. It's, a, it's the same thing, but we like taking shots at people because we think we're better than or we know more. No, no. That, did you know that your Baptist brothers and sisters are a part of his kingdom? Yeah, they're a part of it. They are your brothers and sisters. They are our brothers and sisters, and they're going to rise up in this glorious kingdom with us. As a matter of fact, what God is looking to do, don't miss this, what God wants to do is take a heavenly eraser and dissolve the line that separates us and them. So there's no more us and them. It's just us. Yeah. <laughs> it's just us. Not, not just, I was getting ready to say, not just in churches, but in the United States, around the world, God wants to take, there's a, there's a powerful meme, I love it, and it's got several men, and most of them probably look like preachers, and they've got pencils, and they're drawing lines in the sand to separate, and Jesus has got his pencil flipped upside down with an eraser, erasing the lines that everyone else has drawn to separate, because he came that we can be a family together. God's, God has always been about family. He's a family man. He's a family man. And when you take shots at other members of his family, you're not doing the kingdom any service. You're not doing the kingdom any good. It doesn't matter what they believe or don't believe, what they see or don't see. It can no longer be, the, this message can no longer be, this is about us, the special ones. And the, no, no, no. We're all the special ones. 
my dad made it a point, I make it a point to make sure that if you're two or 200 in this church, if, if Jason comes up to me and says, I have a word, and it burning his spirit, then he has just as much a right to this platform as if it were a prophet or, or Lynn Hiles or one of the, Randall Worley or one of those guys. Why? Because that's what the kingdom looks like. That's what the kingdom looks like. We've got to dissolve the lines that separates us. There can be no longer an us and a them. It's just us. And when we see it as it's just us, then we learn how to love each other. The process really is seeing God for who he is because when we see him for who he is, we can love him. And then when we see him for who he is, we can love ourselves because then we see ourselves for who we really are. And then when we love ourselves, then we can love our brothers and sisters because we don't walk in perpetual insecurity. Jesus said, love your neighbor as you love yourself. I'm convinced most people do that. But if you don't love your neighbor, it's probably because you don't love yourself. What do you mean? What I mean is you walk in insecurity. Anything that you, that you highlight in somebody else's life is most likely a deficiency or at least a self-perceived deficiency that you have in your own. Did you know that? This is psychology, right? I mean, this is, this, the, I'm, I'm speaking facts. This is proved. This is proved. Okay, so how do we get there? Okay, so here's before the Lord. Father, help me to see you as you really are. I've already told you he's good. He's always good. He's always good. Let me tell you something. Last week, it had been, been real easy for me to have spun that car around with my wife and my two youngest children, Isaac, in that seat. For no reason whatsoever, this cop gives me a ticket to really just, it would have been real easy to say, what are you doing to me? And question the goodness of God. And yet, he was so good that there were other cars going by our car at 70 miles an hour that didn't hit our car and we didn't die. I don't know why we didn't die. I don't know why we, I don't know why we did or didn't wreck. But what I cannot do is allow my experience to bring into question the goodness of God. He's got to be settled. No, he's good. He's good. He's always good. Maybe it has something to do with I probably needed tires on that car. <laughs> so maybe me blaming God for not being good. You said it when you, when you fixed it. <laughs> you ready to fix it again? <laughs> maybe instead of questioning the goodness of God, we take responsibility for our own actions. Well, that's a word we don't like. Nobody likes it. Did God give us dominion? Did he say have dominion? Yes. So the problems, in the, how, does, how does a good God allow bad things to happen? He doesn't. He gave dominion to his sons and daughters. If they happen, it's because they're not doing with, with their dominion what they're supposed to be doing. That's why. You mean we have some say in what happens? You have all the say. You always have had all the say. The problem with it is he did not give him dominion, and he did not give her dominion. He gave them dominion. And we're so divided, nobody can figure out what's going on. It's five o'clock somewhere. And you get Alan Jackson singing it. <laughs> but not here. The glory of God looks like the goodness of God. The glory of, the, God, the glory of God looks like fire. The glory of God looks like a heavenly host. The glory of God looks like mercy. The glory of God looks like lines between, separating lines being dissolved. The glory of God looks like I love him, and so I'm able to love myself, and because I love myself, I'm able to love my neighbors. That's why 90% that's why of what I preach or teach is identity, because most of the people that come in here don't have a clue who they are. Until you know who you are, you can't love yourself. You don't even know who you are. Like the old, like Rafiki said, 
What do you mean I'm confused? You don't know who you are. Well, that movie will preach. Good Lord. No, my father's dead. No, he's not dead. Come with me. I'll show him to you. You see, he lives in you. That little prophet, that little monkey prophet. <laughs> yeah. That's what the glory of God looks like. The glory of God looks like actively loving each other. The glory of God looks like being comfortable when you make a mis- with yourself when you make a mistake, not beating yourself to death over doing it and saying, I have a propitiation, I'm moving forward from this. Because if you think you're going to live from now through the rest of your time here on the earth and not make a mistake, you are sadly mistaken. The problem with it is we've got to lose our sin consciousness and, and be God conscious. Adam and Eve were naked long before they knew they were naked. The problem with it was they had their focus on him. The problem became when their focus was no longer on him and they, their focus was on themselves like, oh, my God, I'm without. And that's why God said to them, who told you that? Inferring, I never told you that. You didn't hear that from me. And when we're God-focused and make a mistake, we just keep on moving. I mean, it's like a child that's learning how to walk that falls down and gets back up. You don't blast the child for falling down. You celebrate it when it gets back up and keeps moving. God wants to celebrate somebody that's fallen and will just have the audacity, the, the gumption, the inner gall, the intestinal fortitude, as Mean Gene would say, to get up and just keep going. All right. I can't tell if you're sleepy, hungry, or just really intently listening. I don't know if the smoke is coming from your ears or the volcano. (laughs) The glory of God looks like fire. So expect fire. The glory of God comes with a new sound. So expect a new sound. I don't just mean music. For some of you, a new sound is looking in the mirror in the mornings and saying, you are blessed and highly favored. You look just like your father, and everywhere you go, you're going to drop uh, droplets of glory everywhere you go today. Some, that's a new sound because a lot of you get up like, oh, my God, it's Monday. Hmm. But for some of you, it is a new sound. Start writing your songs again. I really feel deeply prophetically to tell you, start writing again. Becky, be writing again. Seth's not here. Go tell him. Be writing again. I know he has. Be writing again. God wants to release a new sound in this area, for this area specifically. Maybe there, there may be others. I'm not just singling out a couple, but this is what I saw. Eli, you need to be writing songs. The glory of God looks like brightness. The glory of God sounds like good news. This is what you should be looking for. You should be out on the look for this. The glory of God looks like great joy for all people. The glory of God looks like dead being raised. The glory of God looks like a heavenly host. How many people in this place are ready to see the manifestation of the glory of God? Amen. Amen. Stand on your feet. I said before, I think a few months back I listened. I'll tell you what, I want to encourage you. Go and go to truevinestatesfield.org and listen to our podcasts. Where was I? I was in West Virginia with Mark. And listening, and uh, he came in the room. We shared a hotel room. He came in the room. He said, what you doing? I said, listen, listen to me preach. He said, you do that too? I said, man, yeah, I'm one of my favorite preachers. <laughs> no, but I mean, when God releases, it's because it's where we are. They're good. Go back and listen to them. We have them all the way back through February, maybe before then. Go back and listen to the podcast. Tell your friends about them. Not because it helps the church. It doesn't help the church. It's not, it doesn't give us money. It doesn't give us, it just, it's going to bless them. It'll bless you to hear in your mind, oh, yeah, that's right. 
That is right. The gospel is good news. The glory of God is about good news, and it's for all people, and he loves me. And I mean, before long, you'll know your spirit will overwhelm your soul until your spirit and soul are in union, and then your body just can't help but celebrate. Wow, this is great. God's for me. God loves me. Ready for the manifestation of this, right? Well, I hope that I'm in some ways bringing a fire to you bunch of dynamite sticks. <laughs> dynamite sticks. I could do JJ, but most of you wouldn't know that easy. But if you're at least 35 or older, you know when I go, dynamite. <laughs> JJ. Yeah. What, what, what? Light my fire. We could go on and on and on with the cliches. But the Lord's ready. He's ready now. You need to take your place on Pride Rock. You need to take your place in the kingdom of God and stop expecting somebody else to come and do it for you. I really could preach a Lion King. It was nobody else's responsibility to do what Simba had to do. It's nobody else's responsibility to do what you were supposed to do. And no one else can fill the role that you were meant to fill. You need to step up and say, I am responsible as a son or a daughter, as an ambassador of this kingdom, as a person who wears the name of, my, of, of Christ. If I'm going to wear that name, then I'm going to live that way. I'm going to take my responsibility. I'm going to do the things that I'm called to do. Amen. Amen. My dad used to say, well, it's amen or oh me. <laughs> yeah. I love all of you. Pray to God something that I say, said or say today. Jog something in your memory or bring something back to your thought. Price is right. Dun, dun, dun. Please tell me that's God texting you. <laughs> God friended me. <laughs> She rec uh, amen, God is, then he was definitely talking to you. Um, in closing, I'm going to say this. Um, I, I love all of you. I appreciate you. We have, uh, our, our church has a need, and I'm only saying this in passing so that you don't think that uh, we really need to be able to finish raising our money for our down payment for this building. Um, they're not, it's not like they're trying to kick us out or anything, but it's, 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 we're, we were hoping to get this by April and how here in June. You've done well. If anybody has ideas for fundraising, I know some of you can't just say, well, here's $1,000 or, or whatever, and that's fine. It's not what I'm asking. I certainly don't want to hurt yourself or hurt your family or put you in financial jeopardy, but we still do have a need. You may have an idea for a, a fundraiser, um, but we, we need to get this taken care of. I've been working with Doug Hendricks down at Blue Harbor Bank, doing everything I can to push this through. We've been turned down by three or four different banks, not because we can't afford the building now, but they like to see that you could have afforded it for four or five years, and that's kind of been our major issue. But if we're able to get our down payment, it, uh, which we're still tens of thousands of dollars short of, then, then it's going to be a lot easier for, to get, for this to work. So I hate bringing up money. How many times do you hear me bring up money except I, I, hate, I hate to do it. It's just not my thing because so many people have been abused for money. I pray to God I've never done it. I never have intentionally, and I never will. I'm not a, a money person. I don't like to try to abuse you, but we do have a need. So if the Lord speaks to you, you have an idea, you came into some money, you know, who knows? I don't know what, what the way God wants to do it, but it, you need, it needs to be said that, you know, we're, we're still 20 plus thousand dollars short of that uh, initial down. We need to get it. And so if you can just be praying about it, thinking about it, God speaks to you and gives you an idea, let me know. We're willing to do it. I mean, we've done yard sales, donut sales, bake sales. You know, we've done uh, the chicken thing. You know, if you have an idea, let us know, okay? Because we need to get this. I want this part done so we can breathe and not have it kind of hanging over our heads, especially, you know, that's one of the first things that's in my brain when I wake up pretty much every night, so I'd like to not have to do that anymore. Uh, so if the Lord speaks to you and you can help, let me know how.
that cool? Father, we thank you for this day and the opportunity to come and worship. We thank you that we know that you've called us to this time and to this place for a purpose and on purpose. And Lord, we actively declare today and say to you, we're going to take our rightful place, take our responsibility as ambassadors of your kingdom, as citizens of your kingdom, not waiting for someone else to do what we can do, Lord, but we're going to make an effort this week, a valiant effort to begin to dissolve the lines that separate us and them until it's just us, Lord, that we'll love them, whether they're uh, old, young, big, little, black, white, yellow, whatever, Father, we know that we're all your children, and so that's who we're going to love. I thank you for that, Father. Let this be a movement of love that, that happens and that encompasses this city and then the, and then the nations of the world. I, I, I believe for that and pray for it, Lord Jesus. I pray, Father, that you speak to the hearts of the people here, Father, that, have, uh, that, can, that can bring us to a place uh, where we don't have to have this debt of this building hanging over our head, but we can move on and do the work of the ministry. I pray for that, Father. I thank you for it. Uh, it, it maybe that you speak. Maybe that you speak on the other end. Though, that there needs to be something given, and I'm I'm fine with all of it, all of the above. I just I'm ready for this to be the conclusion of this, and I ask you for that publicly. I ask you, uh, in in the ears of all your people here. I pray, Father, a blessing upon everyone in this church, Lord, that this week uh, that they would be blessed with abundance, that they would be blessed with prosperity, they would be blessed with health. I, I just believe for that, Lord. You said to ask, and it'd be given. And so we're asking, Lord, I, I pray, Lord, this would be the best week that they've had so far in their lives, Lord, that they would come back next Sunday so excited to share what you've done for them this week and what they've been able to do for you this week. I thank you for that. Thank you for letting me be a part of this body, Lord, that I love so dearly. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. God love you.